This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 79 of Go To Grandma, airing on February 11, 2023. Sometimes the term go to precedes the word bed something all grandparents have said to their own kids, and if they're lucky, to their grandkids as well. It is indeed a fortunate grandparent who gets to have a sleepover with their grandkids. But are there different rules and procedures we have to consider now versus when our kids were young? Proud grandma, friend of the show, and radio icon Erin Davis is back on GoToGrandma today to give us her tips on how to have a successful grandkid sleepover, something that she regularly enjoys. But once the grandkids are in bed, what if you can't fall asleep and you know that you're going to have an early morning and a full day with your grandkids? Erin is here to help us with that as well, as she tells us about her podcast, Drift. Erin was also on episodes 6 and 45 of Go To Grandma if you can't get enough of her dulcet tones. I know I can't. You'll find them on our podcast. So you have your grandchild over for the sleepover, but they don't want to sleep because they want to continue playing their video games. If you're someone who isn't into video games at all, you might not understand the appeal and have the opinion that they are simply a waste of time. Product and game designer Kim Valley is on the show today to tell us all about the gamer kid. What can kids learn when they play video games? In what ways can video games be used as a tool for change? As a non-gamer myself, I can't wait to hear what Kim has to say before my young grandsons start playing. And have you chosen your power of attorney for property yet? How do you choose and can you choose more than one person? Do they have to be a family member or a close friend? We'll answer all of those questions on our Take 5 with RBC interview today. We're waking up West Coaster Erin Davis early this morning, so I hope she has some strong coffee going as I do. Before we talk to her first, you're listening to me, Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma on Zoomer Radio. Erin Davis is a longtime and Hall of Fame broadcaster who left morning radio in Toronto to rewire on the West Coast. There, she wrote Morning Has Broken, Love, Loss and Reclaiming Joy, a number one bestseller. Fresh off several seasons of the popular Elder Wisdom podcast, Erin has embarked on a new project with fellow newly rewired GTA broadcaster Lisa Brandt on Gracefully and Frankly, already in the top 5% of podcasts worldwide. In addition, after decades of putting people to sleep, Erin's dream project is Drift, with Erin Davis Sleep Stories now at a staggering 150,000 downloads. She got up really early today to join us to talk about her other favorite thing, grandparenting. Good morning, Erin Davis. I'm so happy to have you back on GoToGrandma again today. It is lovely to be here, Kathy. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be talking with you again. And today we're going to tackle the topic of sleep from a couple of perspectives. So you are fortunate to have your wonderful grandchildren just down the road from you. And I imagine you might have some grandkids sleepovers. Well, we do when we're very, very lucky. (laughs) And we'd like to think that they're very lucky, too, when we do it. And it's something it's exhausting, wonderful. And, you know, the stuff that memories are made of. And to me, that's what every day is about now is just making memories so that when we shuffle off this mortal coil or wherever we end up, um, that they will remember their time at the banana estate. And uh, yeah, that's what we call it. It's the banana estate. And and just, you know, 
have had a really good time with us. So, you know, when your your daughter was young, maybe she had sleepovers with friends and things like that, too. But how much has changed now that you're doing it with your grandkids? What are some of the challenges you find in grandparenting in your own home? Well, I think that a lot has changed in the attitudes. Like when Lauren would go and stay with her grandparents, we were just like, okay, bye, see ya, and leave at the door. And, you know, it'd be like, start the car, start the car, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it meant, you know, we time for Rob and for me. Um, now there's a lot more planning that goes into it, because I think that parents now of this generation really like to have things sort of set out. Now, not all do. Some do, some don't. But it's a matter of knowing how comfortable your child is with, you know, either completely freewheeling or sort of having a plan and keeping things as much as they are at home in your own home. So things aren't kind of like, you know, they get home like they've just been to space and don't know what the rules are or <laughs> where yeah. they've been. Yeah. 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 I think it's important to not have that attitude of what happens at grandma's house happens at grandma's house. That's gone out the window as well. I think we really need to and we do respect the rules that the parents have put in place. Well, and these little kids, as you know, they're not the best secret keepers. We've been around them at Christmas. So if something goes on here that you don't want their parents to know about, forget it. It's the first thing they're going to say. Guess what? Grandma and granddad let me blah, 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 blah. So then, you know, you just you have to play within everybody's rules, but still sort of have your own unique experience if that's possible. Yeah, I understand what you're saying there. So have a plan sort of and maybe you're going to do something that they don't normally do. Like I remember my parents took my kids to a fish market. Now, that was cool. I'd never done it. And they're like, we just thought it would be fun. And I'm like, that's super cool. So if you're going to do something that's out of the ordinary, just share that plan with the parents. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Were you grossed out by it or were you fine with it? I was fine with it until they started talking about how they clubbed the fish over the head. But um, no, it was it was fun and it was cool. And it was such a grandparent experience for them. They talked about it a yeah. lot. Do you reflect on your own upbringing when you're trying to make these memorable experiences? Oh, 100%. But you know, Kathy, the things that stood out for me, and I was so lucky. I mean, we were Air Force kids, so our family moved around a lot. So our home, in fact, was where our grandparents lived, in a smelly little oil town outside of Calgary, Alberta. And quite often, my parents would just kind of ship me out there for the summer. And it was so wonderful because I was one of four. There I got to be one of one. I did stuff with my grandmother, like I'd go to bridge club with her and be with all these other 70 and 80 year old ladies. But I thought it was so cool and sit up with the bartender and learn how to make a Singapore slang and, you know, <laughs> just do things that, that never would have happened at home. But the most important thing was the one-on-one -on -one time, the eating the chips at night, the having shake and bake that we didn't have at home, having Fruit Loops in the morning. Oh, my God. Sugar cereal. Those are the things that really stood out. And yet I look at myself now and I'm trying to create a, you know, a Disney World experience every time they're here. It's not necessary. Just do little things that will touch their hearts and not blow their minds. Oh, I love that. Touch their hearts, but not blow their minds. So you've got <laughs> you've got Colin all settled in bed and he's going to sleep and then you can't get to sleep. Well, I know what I do when I can't get to sleep. I put on a podcast. It's called Drift. Have you heard of this? <laughs> Well, I might have done. And thank you for bringing that up, Kathy. This is my labor of love. And 
I just got an email last night. I'm just scrolling through here to find it because I couldn't believe the timing of it. And it's from Janice G. And she says, my five-year-old grandson had a sleepover on the weekend. He isn't always ready for bed, but I decided to put on the story from Drift, The Lion and the Mouse. We waited for it to begin and participated in the breathing exercises. And as you began to tell the story, I looked over and he was already asleep. So that made my night because I do these stories and they can be some of the grim stories Mm -hmm. that, you know, we know grim fairy tales. Kids get eaten by witches and stuff. So I, I sweeten them and I make them happy endings for everybody. And sure, most of my listeners are adults. Most people listen between 11 and midnight. And so far, we're closing in on 150,000 downloads for these stories. So oh, I'm just, I'm so excited, but in a sleepy way. Because <laughs> I, when I tell the stories, I talk like this. And then we start with breathing exercises. And then I tell the story, and then we do five minutes of waves at the end. Okay, Kathy, wake up. I was going to say, what, what, what's happening? And I don't, I don't even know when you have time to sleep, Erin, because you're doing so much now. Your new podcast with your good pal, Lisa Brandt, Gracefully and Frankly. I love this podcast. You ladies are entertaining oh. and fun and real. And I, I think at the time of recording of this, you've done four episodes, uh, one a week. So congratulations on that. And thank you so much for sharing your sleepover strategies. And please check into Erin's podcast called Drift, as well as Gracefully and Frankly. I love the spin on that. That name, and you can hear Aww. Aaron's dulcet tones anytime. Just try only to fall asleep during the drift one. This is my advice. Ah, <laughs> you are so sweet, and congratulations on all of your endeavors. I know that you're working hard too. We all are. Like, what is it about sixty that makes us just kind of, you know, roll into a whole new gear? It's wonderful, and it's why when I left radio, I called it rewirement. And here you are in radio and just expanding like crazy. I'm so happy for you, for all of us. Thanks so much, Erin. Yeah, I'm going to be 60 in a couple of months, and, I, and I'm looking forward to what this is going to bring. And I know it's going to bring me listening to you more often and having you back on the show. That's right. You're not 60 yet, but you're going to be talking with a lot of seniors on a podcast I just loved doing and handed over the reins to you called Elder Wisdom Stories from the Green Bench. Buckle in, Kathy. You're going to have a lot of laughs, maybe a few tears, and some great, great stories on the way. So you go. I'm so happy for you. I have such huge shoes to fill, Aaron, and I'm so pleased to be taking over this role from you, and I know how much you enjoyed it, and I can't wait to hear some of the stories of Elder Wisdom from the Green Bench. I can't wait. Thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you, Kathy. Hi, Producer Kelly, and it's so nice to be on in Toronto again. Thanks. Kim Valley is a tech industry veteran and mom who sees the benefits that video games and technology can bring to tweens and teens. She explores what it means for these kids. Now she's putting her background in product design, education, marketing, and storytelling to use by designing her first Roblox game with her 11-year-old gamer son. As a tech mom, Kim shares her knowledge and insights on how to use technology and video games to support children's passions, foster creativity, and enhance learning on her Substack column, More Than STEM. Good morning, Kim. Thanks so much for coming on the program today. Thank you for having me, Kathy. So a lot of parents and grandparents sort of dismiss video games, but don't really understand what they're dismissing or why. So how do you respond to the argument that video games are just a waste of time? Oh, as a gamer myself and a mom to a gamer kid, obviously I don't share this view. (laughs) (laughs) Gaming is relevant for kids. Did you know that 89% of Canadian kids aged 6 to 17 are video game players? 
it's huge. Mm -hmm. Some might not play all the time, you know, just maybe once in a while. But the fact remains that almost every kid plays video games. And why do they do that? Because it brings them joy and entertainment. It's helped them relax. And with the stress level that many kids have these days, I think it's a good thing. And during the pandemic, 70% of teens said that playing video game helped them stay connected with their friends. So I think it's good for their mental uh, health. The benefit of learning through play or well-documented play develops agency, empathy, problem-solving skills, and imagination. Through play, children and adults try out new ideas, test theories, and safely take risk. So there's more than meets the eye when it comes to video game. It requires skills and knowledge. It's not pointless. Yeah, and I know that when I read your article, which really interested me, Kim, about you know considerations when gaming is part of your child's identity, you identify all of the things that video games teaches. So maybe you could give us some examples of things that kids learn when they play video games. Yes, obviously they need to learn all the game knowledge. Video games are quite complex. Mm -hmm. For example, in Pet Simulator X, which is a popular Roblox game. Roblox games are really kind of simple in the large scheme of game. But you can trade pets with other players. So like in the stock market, the value of the pet fluctuates. It goes up and it goes down. So you need to consult online an up-to-date value list. So you have to also check Google which lists are good. You need to advertise the pet you want to trade. Find a buyer who can afford it and be a good negotiator. That's really all life skills that they learn while playing. Also, if they learn from peers, mm -hmm. they collaborate, they compete with each other. And obviously, like I, I, I talked before, they also play together. So the relationship that they, they have. And they explore because there's conflict, like in real life. You know, sometimes you play with your, your friend, it doesn't go well, and you have to, how can you fix that? You know, so it's, it's important. And so they also put into action mathematics or science element. And there's a lot of engineering and puzzle games where they have to use all that to problem solve the game. Yeah, you raise some great points in the article, too, about if they were kids playing hockey, we would sort of praise them for their dedication. But there's downsides to hockey as well. And on, you've just pointed out many of the positive sides of playing video games like collaboration, entrepreneurship, finance, budgeting, resilience, you know, puts in action mathematics and science. I mean, amazing sort of tools that our kids can learn while they play video games. And I wanted to also ask you, in what ways can video games be used as a tool for change? Yes, for that... Obviously, you know, the gaming world is a little bit like our world. It's not always very diverse and welcoming for everybody. But game has the power to change how we think and how we feel about something. And one perfect example is a game live called Wild Flowers that I played this year. It's a charming farming simulation games. You know, there's a ton of them out there. But why it's so magical. First, the storytelling is really something. 
It's all the character are well defined and it's, they are interesting and a nice quest. But the game is really about identity, accepting other and supporting your community. And that game was called Wildflowers. Is that right, Kim? Yes. Wildflower is W-Y-L-D-E, flowers. Okay. So that's why it, it's important. So we know that identity is really important and gender and identity and how they feel. It's important, especially in the teen age. And so that game has really different ethnicities, sexual orientation, gender identity, body types, age, and background of non-playable character. It won the Apple Arcade Game of the Year and the Apple Design Award for Inclusivity in 2022. And there's many other communities that celebrate the good luck, have fun approach to gaming. They're fighting bad behavior online. Game for Change is one of these organizations where they empower creator who use games for social good. And they have a directory of games that address social justice, good citizenship. So that's something that maybe parents or grandparents want to look at. Well, I loved, as I said, that article that you had written about gaming and for our kids and our grandkids and us not dismissing them and developing new attitudes and opinions about them. And if we want to read more, we can go to your website at morethanstem.substack.com. And of course, on social media, you are Kim Valley, K-I-M-V-A-L-L-E-E. Thank you so much for this, Kim. I really appreciate that. And my grandsons are only three and one. So I have this coming up with them. So I really appreciate the advance advice. Okay. So thank you very much. Thanks, Kim. Take care. Elaine Blades is a senior manager for the professional practice group at RBC Royal Trust. She is a principal resource for technical and legal expertise for trust and estate matters. Elaine serves on the board and as chair of the Education Committee for the Canadian branch of the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners and is a frequent writer and presenter on estate and trust topics. Her articles and blog can be found at advisor.ca, allaboutestates.ca, and on LinkedIn. She is also a soon-to-be grandmother. Good morning, Elaine. Thanks so much for coming on Take 5 with RBC on GoToGrandma this morning. You're welcome. I often hear that who you choose to act as your attorney under a power of attorney for property requires a lot of thought and careful consideration. What advice can you give our listeners when appointing someone? Well, thank you for asking, Kathy. This really is a very important question. So first and foremost, it's important to choose someone who you trust to be scrupulously honest and to act always in your best interest. I really can't emphasize this point enough. A power of attorney for property is a powerful document. It empowers the attorney to deal with your property and at a time when you are most vulnerable. We know, unfortunately, that elder financial abuse is a serious and growing problem. And unfortunately, we also know that a significant portion of this abuse is committed by the person acting as attorney. So with this sad but true thought in mind, um, here are some other qualities I think you should be looking for in your attorney. They should live close by, and this is primarily for convenience. It's tough to manage affairs from afar, but if they're in another jurisdiction, there can also um, be some legal and administrative issues as well. They should possess good judgment. A lot of decisions will need to be made. Where possible, they should be capable of remaining emotionally neutral. Remember, we're dealing here in a situation where 
you're incapable. So emotions, you know, can really run high and depending on the circumstances, this may lead to um, enhanced conflict in some families. It's also important that they have the time and inclination to act on your behalf. This can be a job that runs for, unfortunately, a number of years. So does the person you're thinking about, like, do they have young kids, a busy career, do they travel often? You know, you really may want to think about whether somebody who is that busy is a good uh, choice for you. Have good financial sense. There's a lot of important financial decisions that they'll need to make on your behalf. And I'm thinking, you know, be prepared to learn what is legally expected of them. Really knowing what they don't know and knowing when they should reach out for help, I think is really, really vital. So finally, I'd say remember that your chosen person, they should understand that this could be a multi-year commitment. And it may be difficult for them to retire from the role once they start. So I think it's also good to have a discussion with them in advance to ensure, you know, that they are willing and prepared to act on your behalf. So when you think about somebody who administers an estate, you know, that can get wrapped up within a couple of years maybe, but the role of an attorney can extend for many years. So important to keep that in mind. So now that we know what to look for when choosing someone, what if, for example, you want both of your children to handle your medical decisions and maybe your nephew to take care of all financial matters? Is it possible to have more than one person acting for you? Yes, it's definitely possible. There are a variety of options if you want to consider appointing more than one attorney. You can definitely appoint different people to the roles of attorney for property and for personal care. I've had some clients over the years that said, well, I'll appoint my son for care and my daughter for property, you know, thinking that, well, that way they both have something to do, but they may want to sort of keep their role separate depending on the relationship. But keep in mind that the roles intersect and that your attorneys will need to cooperate. So a good example would be determining where the incapable person is going to live. That would be the choice of the attorney for personal care but the cost would be picked up by the attorney for property. So you really need to make sure that the people that you're thinking of will be able to work well together. And it's also possible to appoint what we call co-attorneys. So you can require, so you could appoint two people to the same role at the same time, and you can either say that you would like them to act jointly, meaning they must work together and make every decision together, or you can give them the flexibility to carry out duties separately or together, and that's called jointly and severally. That's a little less protection in that case, but it definitely brings in more flexibility, so it really depends on your situation. But remember, when you name any individual to the role, remember to name an alternate in the case that your first choice is unable or unwilling to assume or continue in the role. So while you can appoint more than one attorney, the real question is, should you? The more attorneys you have, there is the increased likelihood for fights, disputes, and this could lead to severed relationships between the attorneys and potential conflicts when making important decisions. So what about those who don't have a suitable family member or friend to take on this role or who don't want to put this responsibility on their loved ones? What are their options? Well, in this case, for your attorney for property, you may wish to consider the services of a professional, um, such as a trust company. You can opt to name a trust company as what we call a corporate power of attorney for property, but note that trust companies are not able to act um, as attorneys for personal care. Having a professional offers the advantages of expertise, this is what we do on a full-time basis, professional management, and also impartiality. 
And note that this same expertise is also available to assist individuals named to the role. So you may still choose to appoint a family member, but they can reach out for help from a trust company. So this is an area where RBC Royal Trust can help. Whether we're acting as attorney to manage the property or giving assistance to someone who's been named as attorney, we can step in and take on as little or as many of the administrative duties as needed. The role of attorney for property comes with significant power and serious obligations. Your choice of attorney is an important decision that should not be made lightly. You don't want to appoint somebody you know, who doesn't get along with their siblings, who's fiscally irresponsible, maybe can't even manage their own affairs, or they live out of the country. All of those would be poor choices. So taking the time to make an informed decision can really help protect you, your property, and the people you care for. Thank you so much for this, Elaine. And if we want more information, we can go to rbc.com slash royal trust. Thank you. Some people talk in their sleep. Lecturers talk while other people sleep. Albert Camus. I think Erin Davis would be flattered if you fell asleep while listening to her voice, but only when you're listening to her Drift podcast. I encourage you to find that as well as her brand new podcast, Gracefully and Frankly with Lisa Brandt. These ladies will have you laughing, not languishing. Thanks to Kim for her insights on gaming and why we need to hit the reset button with some of our opinions on them. Next week, we are planning ahead. Margaret Wallace-Duffy is a registered massage therapist and preventative health advocate. She's going to tell us what to pack in our preventative health toolbox. And I will be talking to Club Med about their fitness-oriented resorts and what you'll need to pack to get the most out of their unique vacation experience. Our Take 5 with RBC interview will have you packing up your thoughts and finally getting to putting together an estate plan. What are the key triggers to starting your estate planning and finally writing that will? Thanks for coming by today. If you enjoyed this episode, please search our podcast archives for other grand topics and grand guests. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.